Hello and welcome to the Making Better podcast. Today we are having a bonus conversation. A few weeks ago, we talked to Christy Oliva from uh, Amazon. She's a program manager at Amazon and had kind of a really great deep dive discussion about her transition into learning development and what learning development professionals and people out in the business can can learn about that transition. Today, uh, I wanted to have another discussion with her because, I mean, I mean, Christy, you have had an amazing journey. And I think there's a lot that people can learn from kind of how you thought about that journey, how you improved yourself. We touched a little bit on that in the in the first discussion, but I'm, I'm really excited you were able to, to stick around and have a second conversation. Thank you for being here again. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. So I want to start with, you know, we basically have two questions that we ask. And so the first one is kind of looking looking backwards um, of just when you think about where you are today and how you got there, what is one of the biggest challenges that you have faced getting to where you are today? And how did you have to change in order to overcome that challenge? So this is getting a little bit into like into deep stuff, honestly, because I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Like you asked me from from whenever I could remember being asked, I always wanted to be a teacher. So it was my dream to be a teacher. It wasn't like my deep, like, you know, going back to default or something. Um, and so I loved being a teacher. So when that thought even came into my head of, gosh, I don't think this is what I want to do anymore. I think it was almost just like identity changing. Mm. And so I had to reconcile that with myself of like, well, what will my life even look like? I loved telling people I was a teacher. I loved people's reaction to, gosh, you teach middle school. Oh man, that must be terrible. And I was always like, (laughs) I love it though. Middle schoolers are the best and they really are. But like, so I was like, what do I do then? And I still sometimes struggle with that because you know, now it's like, oh, I work with adults all day. That sounds boring, right? (laughs) And so I, but I think that that was one of my biggest hurdles. And that connects to what I mentioned in the last time we spoke was about confidence, was I just didn't even know if I was capable of anything else, because I was a really good teacher, a really successful, well-liked, down-to-business teacher. I got my stuff done. I was very efficient in my work. You know, I loved my kids. And so I was it was just this confidence of like, well, what else am I even qualified to do? And so every time I thought of it, it was just a big downer, honestly. Mm. And so I had to, I know that's not really a very technical answer of like a skill based thing, but it really was my biggest obstacle was how do I even figure out what I'm skilled enough to do when this is all I've been doing. And society says, you know, that whole quote of, if you can't do teach, (laughs) kind of puts the mindset in society that, you know, teaching is just like, Mm. and even my manager, or he's not my manager, but a manager that I work with at Amazon says, oh, I've always joked about when I retire, I'm going to teach. And I was like, he even has that attitude that it's just this easy thing that when I retire, that's what I'm going to do. And I think a lot of people, at least that used to be a mindset of like, oh, when I retire, I'll just, you know, become a history teacher or whatever. It'll be super easy. It's not easy. It's very, very difficult. To be honest, my job now is so much easier in so many ways. And I wish more teachers knew that. So I think 
if I had been given that boost booster shot of confidence, or if I had known what I know now, I would have transitioned so, so much sooner, so much yeah. sooner. And I think other teachers, um, if they knew, but even when I tell them, they're just like, Oh, I can't wait for that. But they still are so scared. They're so yeah. lacking that confidence. Well, and I think that will resonate with a lot of people. So thank you for sharing that. Cause yeah, I, I love getting into the non-technical skill stuff because especially in the, I think this is a particular thing in the U S about, you know, what's when you meet somebody new, what's probably, you know, the, either the first or second question you ask them, it's what do you do, right? Like our jobs are so intricately tied with our identity in, in the U S in particular that, um, yeah, changing changing that. If you've been doing it for a long time, especially if it's like what you started out wanting to be from the beginning, it's it's a huge shift of being able to really change. It's not changing job. It's it's changing how you think about yourself. Mm. You know. And so, what was there anything was was there a particular moment that helped you or a particular thing? You know, you in previous. In the previous discussion, you mentioned, you know, idle courses helped you with kind of helped you widen your aperture. But anything, was there any particular moment that really helped you reframe that view of yourself as a teacher to as as something else? I mean, I think what we talked like that fire in my belly of like the fight or flight. I think what happened was, and I don't know if this is answering the question the way you way you're thinking of it, but, you know, I had two young children and the reason I started teaching online is because after I had my first daughter, um, you know, my mom, we, this is when we moved to Tennessee from California. And my mom said she'd watch my daughter for me while I went to work. So I was dropping my one-year-old off, my first baby, with my mom, who, you know, I trust my mom. It wasn't about that. But, you know, she's waving at me with her little hand out the window. And I'm going to a middle school where the discipline procedures have downgraded significantly where kids can talk to me pretty much mm -hmm. any old way. And the way that they were dealing with it to decrease the way they had to, and I know this is the reason I, I'm making an assumption, but I'm pretty certain, but they changed the discipline procedures probably so that they could report out a lower instance of mm people being sent to the office, right? Sure. So they wanted to lower that number. I know that now yeah. being in business that you have to, like the things you have to report out are really important. What they gets measured gets managed. That there were, you know, a hundred kids coming to the office per day. So how can we lower that? Well, all comes back to the teacher. So how did that affect me as a middle school teacher? Well, the kid who cussed me out in first period, well, I had them back again in third period because I was a sixth grade teacher and taught two subjects. That kid got a fresh start in third period. So even though they had just cussed me out two hours before, I was supposed to just act like I had just seen them for the first time when they came to me in third period. And thank you for coming to class. And so excited to see you, even though you just cussed me out and called me names two hours ago. And, and you're going to that. That's not a good experience for no. either person. It's not teaching the child anything. And it was terrible for me. And mm -hmm. so I every morning was like, I cannot believe I'm dropping my daughter off to be talked to this way and nothing to be done about it because you want to report lower numbers mm. to the office. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for me, again, I don't know if that's what you were looking for with that question, but that it, 
instances like that can put a confidence in you that you didn't know you had. And so I had to get out. Yeah. It's no, I think that's a great thing to mention, um, is, you know, that motivation again. And, you know, I, when I, when I made the transition out of, out of the military into the corporate world, I went through kind of my own freak out and part of my self-discovery through that was like going to a Tony Robbins conference. And for anybody that's ever been to a Tony Robbins conference, he does, I forget what it's called, but he does this exercise where basically he like has you imagine like whatever you want to change, what would happen if you don't change it? Mm. If you stay how you are, what's your life going to be a year from now? What's your life going to be five years from now? What's your life going to be 10 years from now? And it's meant to like, put you in just like the worst potential story for your life and use that as a fuel to realize that change in your life. Um, so I, a hundred, I, I, I can't agree with you more in that looking when you want to make a change looking and, and now different people are different. Some people are motivated more by, you know, we're motivated by two things, right? Either going towards pleasure or running away from pain. And and some people are motivated by, by different sides of it. But f fleeing that pain can be an incredibly huge motivator. Oh, for, for sure. People. And yeah. it reminds me of this quote I just saw and shared with my mentees last week, I think. But it said, whatever you aren't changing, you are choosing. Mm. And that applies here right? It's a great one. Like if you don't like something, but you're not changing it, you're choosing it. So yes. if I chose not to leave the classroom and continue to drop my daughter off and being treated that way, I was choosing that. Yeah. I would be choosing that. Yeah. And thankfully, I just, I think I do have a bravery in me where I was like, you know what? I don't know what comes next, but it can't be this. I yeah. have to choose something different. So, um, oh man. It brings up emotions going uh, I, back to that moment. Honestly. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. Um, I mean, that that's that's a big change. That's a big challenge and a big change that you made um, when you but when you when you look at your life now and now you're looking for and now looking forward, what would you say is a big challenge that you have or a big change that you want to make now? And, and how are you going to have to change to get to get past that challenge, you think? Yeah. So this is a tough one without, I don't want to talk bad about the company sure. I work for right yeah. now, but they, um, you know, Amazon has not been looking good in the news lately, honestly. Mm. And something that they implemented that has come out in the last couple of weeks is this whole return to office thing, which many corporations are, yeah. are implementing. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I had to justify with myself when I left teaching is as a teacher, you're brainwashed into thinking, this is your family. What are we going to do without you? These kids depend on you. So it's kind of ingrained in us that our work is our family when it wasn't true. They would have yeah. dropped us. Like, but I help a lot of teachers break that. Yeah. And so I've had to tell myself every moment since I've joined corporate, they don't care about me. And I don't mean <laughs> my direct manager or my team. Yes. I have people who care about me. But Andy Jassy doesn't care about me. <laughs> Amazon itself doesn't really care about me. They care about their business goals. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I have to remind myself of that because of the fact that even this return to office, they're not caring about me when they do that. They're caring about their bottom line. And when I tell myself that, it helps me. So what to answer your question, though, what am I thinking about is I have to decide probably every quarter 
am I okay with the decisions they're making as a business? Because I am mm. connected to that business, whether or not they care about me and are connected to me, I am connected to them. It is still part of my identity, what I do. Because now I don't say I'm a program manager necessarily because people don't know what that means. I say I work for Amazon. And so I have to be okay with whatever pops into their head when I say I work at Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I have to decide on a however monthly, quarterly basis, am I okay with what pops into people's head? And can I be okay with working for that company? And again, I'm not saying anything because I'm choosing to stay there right now. But there might come a day where I'm like, you know what, I want to work for a company that has a different mission. You know, maybe I want to work for a nonprofit. I don't know. Like everybody has a different motivation. And I talk to my mentees about this too. Like I choose to work for Amazon because of my, I, I see my upward trajectory. I see my personal, you know, what I can gain. Some people, they, and some people can't, some people leave Amazon all the time because they're like, this is too stressful. It's too much. I like the fast pace. I don't mind that they don't care about me because for me, I can justify that with, well, I'm gaining something though too, because yeah. my growth potential here is exponential. So again, it's not something I'm looking to change right now, but it is something I'm constantly thinking of is, am I okay with where I am and who I'm working for based on how they're treating people in the company and how they're treating their customers and things like that? Am I happy? Am I okay? Because, you know, a lot of these bigger corporations are not getting a good, good um, press right now because of layoffs, return to office procedures and things like that. So it's just something I'm constantly thinking of. <laughs> it's, it's such a healthy, I think an important relationship to have with a job that I think you are right. It is not the normal way we are taught to think about your job. But I remember when I worked at SpaceX, I said, I, I always felt that the ideal SpaceX employee is always thinking about quitting. You know, not that they're wanting to quit, but they're at least thinking of then because what I think that does is it signals a realistic understanding of their skills, what they bring to the table and a belief, a true belief that they could go find something else. So they don't feel mm -hmm. stuck there and a realistic understanding of what we are trying to do at the organization and that it is very fast paced and that it is it is expecting a lot of you. Um, they're choosing the, it back to that and, quote. And they're, yeah, exactly. They're not changing it. They're choosing it. Yep. 100%. And so they're and so if somebody's never thinking about quitting, then they're not real then they're not consciously choosing it. It's become maybe their default. Mm. Whereas if it's at least like you said, it's kind of in the back of their head, that signals that they are consciously deciding this is what I want to be doing with my life. This is the mission that I want to try to fulfill. This is the company that I want to work for. Um, mm -hmm. And that can I change that. in the future. But for now, like that's what they're choosing. Um, I think that's I think so important these days too, because of the fact that there is not the same mindset as maybe our grandparents of like, I'm going to be here for 50 years and then I'll retire with a pension. The odds that that happens are so low. Most people, I think is the numbers are saying like have five careers, not just mm -hmm. five jobs, five mm -hmm. careers. Like I'm only on my second one, so I could still potentially have three. I mean, I guess technically I'm on my third one because I went instructional design, now program management. Mm -hmm. But I mean, mm -hmm. gosh, and that's partly why I ch still choose Amazon. 
I could have 50 different careers within Amazon and never leave the company. So for me, that's a bonus, but that doesn't mean I won't consider leaving. I won't choose something else. But like, I think that internal conversation that you're bringing up that is so important, that's why it's important. You don't want to be surprised because they chose not to have you anymore. I want to be prepared for that. That even if I'm laid off today, my resume is ready. My portfolio is ready. I'm prepared. I already yeah. know what's going on in the outside world. I've been on LinkedIn and looking at jobs. Even though I might not be applying to them, I know what's available to me. And I think yeah. that is a responsible professional and a responsible breadwinner for my family, right? I don't want to be surprised. Yeah, I think that's... That's great. And I think I just thank you so much. You, you have had such a journey. There's so much inspiration and so many good tips that people can get from that. So thank you for being on the podcast again for this for this little deeper, more more personal dive. Thank you for being willing to do that. Uh, and I hope you have a, a great rest of your day and a great weekend. Thank you. You too, Matt. Thanks again. I had a great time. Awesome. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you liked the discussion, make sure to hit like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. As a reminder, if your team is struggling keeping up with the training development demands of your organization, we want to help. Better Everyday Studios is a full-service instructional design team that can help you with everything from ideation to actual content creation and delivery. Please reach out to us using the link in the episode notes below. Have a great day.